a choice right now, right now, between fear and love. It's just a run. Out of the dark night of ignorance and into the shining light of truth. Expounding reality. A population of citizens capable of critical thinking. We don't see things as they are, we see them as we are. There's a, a level of reality where everything dissolves into an ocean of energy. We empower our experience by insisting on our authenticity. That's very profound. Very Expanding reality. Welcome to Expanding Reality. I am your host, Brandon Thomas. On this episode, we have Ksenia Moore come by and talk astrology with us. Uh, the way that she delivers the information is one of my favorite parts about this entire thing. She, number one, is wonderful and an absolute delight, of course. But the way that she delivers this information is different than I've ever heard it before because it's palatable. It's very easy to digest, and she does it in such a great great way so anyway you guys are just really gonna love this it's an absolute treat she is a treasure to this world so there you go so uh, let's talk affiliates so food forest abundance we've partnered with them uh, check the link down there if you want to get your freedom from fear going uh, also if you are like I just want to start my own podcast I'm really excited motivated to do that uh, then awesome first of all I think everybody should do this uh, second of all uh, use the link down there called Libsyn I think it's titled um, start your own podcast something like that but what it does is it'll give you two months free through that link so uh, Libsyn is who I host through could not recommend them more also down there would be Amazon if you're going to buy any damn thing on Amazon run it through that link it helps the show thank you so much in advance Uh, also one last thing is if you would like to expand your experience with us here on the show do that at the link titled expandingrealitypodcast.com that's going to be where Rockfin merchandise the socials all of that stuff it's a central hub and there's some really cool things going on over there so Check it, check that out while you're over there. So, uh, without any further ado, guys, let's get to this. Ksenia Moore, come on down. She's amazing. You're gonna love it. So here we go. Ksenia Moore. <laughs> I don't know what to make of you Texans now. You've got me quite intrigued. <laughs> Welcoming to the show, it is Ksenia Moore. How are you, darling? How's everything going? <laughs> Thanks, Brandon. I'm great. It's fabulous to be on Expanding Reality with you. This is so much fun. So we met through our Mm -hmm. mutual friend, David Warner Matheson, who we both absolutely adore. And you and I are about to just have an awesome conversation because we've been having a blast here anyway. So I figured we'd let the audience in on it as well. So why not? Why Mm. not? You know? Yeah, what the hell? Uh, So uh, tell us just a little bit about you, because I'm so curious for my audience to get to know you more. Awesome. Well, I am quite obviously from my accent. I'm from Australia um, and I'm an astrologer. So we're going to talk astrology today. We're going to get into some of the nitty gritties about astrology for anyone who's interested in that sort of thing. Um, so, yeah, I'm from Victoria, the uh, the lockdown state. <laughs> the world's my longest Damn. lockdown here. Um, but, yeah, no, it's wonderful to be with you and I can't wait to talk about the stars and the heavens with you. 
Yeah, understanding life through astrology. I'm very curious about mm -hmm. this. This is one of these things, and we have several friends on the show here that have come several times uh, that are astrologers as well. Now, I'm curious cool. about the perspective, which I love this idea. So I also do a bit of gardening as well, and one of the things that I have found whenever I research gardening tips is I always get multiple gardening tips. And the reason for that is, is some of them live in different areas or they're exposed to different information, so you want as wide of a knowledge base on this particular subject as you can get. So this is why I like having multiple opinions on this. And this is why I think the concept of one person is right or the other one's fake or something, it, it doesn't really exist in this, especially with this modality. So yeah. uh, what, what drew you to astrology in the first place? Well, that's a great question. I find a lot of people get really interested in astrology when life gets hard um, because they start looking for answers. And, you know, you might see astrology stuff in magazines or a bit on telly or something like that or on YouTube these days um, and, you know, just pay it sort of minimal attention. But when things get tough and you're trying to find answers, people often dive into it and then and discover just how in-depth and rich it actually is because, well, astrology is one of the most ancient arts and sciences, actually. It's been used by kings and queens since forever to make their plans. In fact, it's used by a lot of um, the hierarchies today, although most people aren't aware of that. Wall Street uses it quite astrology quite significantly. Um, a lot of presidents, a lot of kings and queens, it's still used in high ranks. The Vatican has a number of astrologers employed there as well, which is interesting in and of itself. But it's an energetic um, it's a way of understanding the universe through energy, like everything is energy. And science is starting to really get into that idea, but astrologers have known that since forever. Uh, and, you know, when we go out in the sun on a summer's day here in Australia, or, you know, out on the beach trying to have a surf or whatever, um, we come home and we're red raw, you know, we're burnt to bits um, with sunburn because there's an energy factor at play there. And only recently we've sort of figured out, okay, well, what is causing this? Ah, oh, it's UV rays. But we can see the effects of the sun on ourselves, um, even if we can't see what's causing the effect. It's an energy heat thing. And the same with TV, the same with internet. You know, this is all stuff that we're discovering and learning how to measure these things now. But they've been around and sort of in play, affecting life for a long, long time, forever. <laughs> And so astrology, see, yeah, this is one of the things that intrigued me about astrology. It's art, it's science, it's, yes, it's predictive. Um, and when I was going through a really t difficult time, learning about these sorts of things became an intrigue for me and, and why am I being impacted? Why, why has my life turned out the way that it has? So I went through a divorce and that's what led me into discovering more about astrology and finding out how this energy was impacting my life and causing things to unfold. Uh, we, um, Brandon, have been uh, observing the impacts of energy in an astrological sense on the planet for about 5,000 years. So, you know, this that, that in, in and of itself is a, a tremendous database of knowledge that we have available to us. The ancients were into this, you know, um, 5,000 years ago and probably well before that as well. So we've got all these wonderful records that we can use that we can now apply to our lives and that's what astrologers these days do, you know. It's not it's not just about your simple sun sign. It's about everything and how the energy is impacting us uh, in our daily lives and also 
in the big picture things of what's playing out in reality as well. Did I answer that question or did I go like way off on a tangent there? <laughs> uh, you did. You could say you did both, but bo- it was perfect. It was perfect. <laughs> it was the perfect amount of tangent. and But you answered the question in the perfect way and it, the, ne- mm. the tangent was necessary to answer the question in the way you did. So I, cool. I love what you said, though, about uh, that you were just seeking answers and this was kind of the first thing that popped up. I think that that's very interesting or this is what you gravitated towards and where you found answers because people do this in all sorts of different ways and this was just the way that you did it. So it's very, very interesting. So I find astrology crazy fascinating for all of the reasons that you said when you were introducing yourself, that so many people use it, that it's so across the aisles as far as woo-woo plus high echelon, you know, lizard person, whatever. And it, it, which tells everyone that there's like something to it. And of course, if they shame something, uh, there's something to it. Like uh, just recently, I don't know if you heard the news, but I think it's uh, TikTok for sure. I think a couple of other platforms were going to start banning or not recommending. I forget which one. I think it's that they're, it's not recommending. They're not going to cut it out altogether, but they're not going to tell people that it exists. Okay. So it's like tarot, astrology, and... Something else, uh, all the same in the same vein here. But it was interesting that it's that it's so um, threatening. You know that getting this information out to everybody is so threatening. Do yeah. you do you think that any of the upticks in astrological interest has anything to do with the Great Awakening going on, or is it like chicken oh, and egg? One hundred percent, one hundred percent. We noticed in the astrological world that when Jupiter, who is a planet of higher knowledge, moved through Scorpio, now this was a few years back, so about 12 years ago, oh, it might be less than that now, actually, it's probably more like six years ago, that there was a great sort of um, thrust forward with um, people interested in learning about astrology. Because Scorpio is a, a sign that's very connected to um, shamanic and, um, you know, alternative occult practices of which astrology has been in that, that category for hundreds and hundreds of years. And so that was a real uptake. But also uh, Pluto um, in when, when Pluto moved through the sign of Scorpio, that's a very generational influence where, wherever Pluto is in the sky. Um, and so the Pluto and Leo generation are currently the power mongers on the earth at the moment. They're the presidents and the what have you. Um, they're the baby boomers, Pluto and Leo. And you can define generations by where Pluto was sitting in which sign. And so Pluto and Scorpio is a fairly recent generation. They're the millennials and they're the ones who are really, really keen on astrology. So it's very interesting to me that TikTok has made that move because it's mostly millennials that use that platform. And I think they're going to probably cut off their nose to spite their face in a certain way because it's the millennials that are driving this new interest. They're, they're seeking answers in astrology. It's it's a big movement in, in the millennial culture. So, yeah, I can't understand why they're choosing to do that. However, if I might just dabble into this topic for a, a second, um, demonization of astrology has been rife since about the 5th century AD. Um, and it has to do with power for people, giving power to people. So prior to that, we you know we had Plato and we had um, all the, um, the great philosophers of Greece and what have you were astrologers as well. It was a big deal. But as the church began to get its grip on the Roman Empire, um, we found that uh, we found that they they didn't like the idea that the masses should have access to astrology because it was it's empowering. 
if you if you know yourself, if you understand yourself, if you if you work with the cycles and the rhythms of nature, you know, to make your life more abundant, more prosperous, more joyful, if you work with those cycles, and that's what astrology is. Remember, it's energy and energetic cycles of planets. If you're working with those things and you're empowering yourself, what need do you have for a priest to go and give your confession to? What need do you have for the church? You don't have need because you are your own higher source of knowledge, you know, that your oneness with the universe, your oneness with nature and the stars. So the church didn't like this. And so um, uh, Augustus of Hippo, I think it was, was one of the first ones to begin writing about how wrong astrology was. And by the medieval age, it was like, you know, total, like in Dante's Inferno, the lowest level of hell is reserved for people like me, (laughs) astrologers, Um, because it's empowering. So since that time, we've had this gradual demonization of astrology. But as I said in the intro, the Vatican actually has more astrologers than anywhere else in the world working for it. And yet the Catholic Church demonizes astrology as this, you know, oh, tut, tut, you shouldn't get involved. It's Satanist. It's blah, blah, blah. But they're actually using it behind the scenes. So there's this real disempowerment of the people through removing astrology and they want to keep it that way. Um, So, you know, I don't mean to get into all conspiracy theories and stuff like that, but it is what's going on. Uh, However, this great awakening is very, very exciting. And I don't think they're going to be able to really put a lid on it, despite the great um, aspirations TikTok might have to that end. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think that they're they're banning where there's truth. And so what, what's mm-hmm. interesting about all of this is they're only bringing more attention to it. So let's say, for instance, that it is a huge part of their platform. There's all sorts of 5D chess type marketing campaigns that go on that are just insane. Uh, my friend and I were talking the other day about if you paid, you know, Donald Trump may have paid the Simpsons $20 million to insert him as an as the president in the episode and it plants into everybody's subconscious like predictive programming that they use all the time. So it could be like this long term, this long game play that is a you know predictive programming in your subconscious and that's why it played out. Not necessarily because he's a time traveler, but you could appear like a time traveler because <laughs> he planted the seed early enough and has enough forethought to do it. So when you apply it to this model, there's all sorts of crazy things that happen. Mm, mm, yeah, I didn't know that about The Simpsons, actually, and Donald Trump. I thought that was random, no, it's a so joke. there you go. We, it, it, this is not a fact. We are speculating wildly. We thought that it was it would be interesting because of the predictive programming, because, yes, we mm. could talk conspiracies if you want. We're conspiracy analysts here, so it's not fear-based. We could talk about how jacked up the Vatican is and how satanic it is and how, yeah, they do have all the astrologers, but they also have an astronomy station, a telescope that's called Lucifer, which is crazy, and I get it. It's the morning star, oh, it's Venus, but mm. you know what I mean. Mm, and then, not I to love, mention that damn hall with the like the inside of it that looks like a snake. Hole? Yes, and yes. whatever the fuck's going on behind the Pope, get fucked. Like, there's yeah. no way. What it's is that all crazy. about? I don't know. <laughs> but I love um, that you mentioned Lucifer actually, because that's um, the whole story of Lucifer is one of my favorite mythologies and how it's tied to the the whole cycle of venus it's very very interesting because um i've had a look at your chart this week brandon and you actually you actually have lucifer morning star as uh, in your chart to be honest so um i was quite intrigued by that and when i saw it there i thought oh i'm going to talk about that this week with you um i want to do this but i want to hear more about the lucifer thing because i have a couple of questions for you if you don't mind please go sure 
So, well, um, I, I'm not sure how familiar with astrological or astronomical cycles you are, but we've recently gone through a Venus retrograde period in January. And when Venus goes retrograde, he, she, not he, she is a feminine energy in the, in the mythologies. She sort of, from our vantage point here on Earth, she stops moving in the sky and, and it looks for the duration of 40 days like she's reversing backwards in, in the skies. And when she does that, she, she, crosses, she always crosses over the sun. So at some point she disappears when she's moving backwards. She, she disappears from being uh, the evening star, let's say. And we see, you know, Venus in the, in the evening skies, gorgeous. That in, in ancient mythology was known as Venus Hesperus. Um, and it's had has, if you have Venus as the evening star in your chart, then it has certain connotations to your character. It, it actually, it's the more, um, because Venus is a feminine energy, Venus Hesperus people are the more um, receptive feminine energy. They're gentle. Venus Hespis means you have a Lucifer star in your evening? No. Okay, oh. so I'm, I'm, I need to explain. Um, there's two types of Venus. There's the Venus Hesperus or the Venus Lucifer people. And Venus Hesperus is the evening star. And they're the, the more, both of them are feminine energies. One is the gentle, receptive woman, which was upheld in like ancient mythologies like the Bible. You know, that that passive woman, the subservient woman, that kind of thing. And then you get to the Venus Lucifer energy, which is the more feisty, the more warrior feminine energy. And what's been demonized again for a couple of thousand years? Lucifer has been demonized because it's this feisty woman and the, and the patriarchy, they don't want feisty women out there. You know, we're not going to uphold this energy. We're not going to acknowledge this energy. So we've demonized the morning star, Venus, and made it the devil, you know, because we don't want this. So that's why there's this demonization of Lucifer. But the truth of the story is, and I, I in the astronomy I was just describing a moment ago, Lucifer, sorry, Venus, when she's backing up in the heavens, she comes into a conjunction, like at the same point with the sun. And that's in astrology, we see that as coming before the king of the solar system. So she's come before the king. She's presenting her requests for all things feminine, all things beauty, all things financial, which are things that Venus rules before the king. And then the king hears the requests and Venus moves on. And it's considered that at that time, that's when Venus falls from grace. She's no longer visible in the sky as the evening star and she's come before the king, lost in the glare of the sun. We can't see her, so all Venus energy is gone. That's the whole falling from grace story that we have with, with Lucifer in the Bible. But then what is not told is that Venus is restored. She's forgiven, you know, so... The, the biblical idea is that the ego of the, of the Venus energy to come before the sun, to give, you know, her thoughts and what have you to the king is audacious and ego. And that's the whole Lucifer thing, you know, Lucifer, ego, blah, blah, blah. <coughs> Excuse me. But when she emerges and is reborn, it's, it's the energy of forgiveness. Oh, well, God has said, I'm going to put you back in the sky. You're going to be the herald of the dawn um, and you are reinstated. And they never tell that part of the mythology. In the Bible, 
in religion, they only talk about the demonization and the fall from the grace and the 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 fact that Lucifer tried to be at one with God. But the truth is forgiven, put back and reinstated. And that's to me one of the most beautiful mythologies um, that has to do with the heavens. Because Venus represents forgiveness, Venus represents um, kindness and grace and all those beautiful things. Uh, and that's what we need on earth more than anything else right now is that kindness, that grace, that forgiveness and compassion. Um, and and so to, to leave that out of the story is really wrong, in my opinion, because it's the most beautiful component of the Venus story. So we don't want to demonize Venus Lucifer energy, Venus Morningstar energy. It's, it's wrong to do that, even though the church will try because they want to suppress women. But we also want to tell the whole mythology because it's so beautiful and necessary for us to apply in our own lives. So big, long-winded answer there <laughs> to the how I see Venus Lucifer. You're great. I'm so glad we're doing this. You're fascinating. This is beautiful because the way it's all explained, and this is another reason I gravitate towards this. Uh, I'm not like a sappy person, but this whole astrology thing is really romantic. It's got just this really mm -hmm. cool, whimsical type of a, a vibe to it. And I, I dig that. I, I like it a lot. Plus, it's something, you know, to look forward to. And it is something that there's something to this. Astrology, I pay attention to more than any other I guess air quotes woo thing that I talk about really um, because it's interesting. It's it's ever changing, so it's something you can kind of keep up with and monitor. But it's also always fascinating to me, and so I kind of you know can explain my wife's mood or something, or you know she'll remind me. She's like, oh, you know, whatever. And we've gotten into an awesome relationship to where I don't pay much attention to the retrogrades because they do kind of jack with me, and everything I do is digital, and it, it go, everything goes haywire, and it's insane, and I know this. And so she does this sweet thing to where she won't tell me, and I'll start to notice weird weird shit, and I'm just like, hang on. Like, why did it do... It never does this. Like, it, what is going on? And then I'll kind of go... It's, it's, fucking mercury and retrograde and she's like yeah <laughs> i was like for how long she's like week and a half i'm like okay so i'm almost there you know i'm closer so i knew about it a week and a half later which is better you know what i mean so then i don't yeah. mentally psych myself out no matter not how in much that I'm state of, of agitation yeah. yes yes well you would have had a hell of a time in um in september last year um i imagine because venus was retrograding in a very important part of not venus mercury was retrograding in a very important part of your chart that could have really mucked with what you do did you have anything happen actually i did so i um no uh, well kind of yes and no so it did kind of the normal stuff but this is where i've gotten pretty comfortable with it or at least okay i kind of i i'm mindful of what type of show or how many i schedule during that time to kind of mitigate the stress and anxiety that i have so many buttons to push and shit over here that you know, all like stuff just happens sometimes. And so uh, to mitigate that, I'll, I'll be mindful of it. But really, uh, it last September was a huge month for me. That's when I got to go on Tinfoil Hat for the first time. Uh, oh, cool. And I had a blast. Like it was a big month for me. And it was September 1st was when I went on Tinfoil Hat. That's when my show dropped or I went, I think that's when I went on. So that was a huge thing for me, just personally, because it was just, I was a listener. So I'm still a listener. But anyway, go ahead. That's awesome. No, well, it was, I think it, from memory, and this is all from memory here, I think it was sort of late September that, that it was retrograding, but in early September, um, you you may have had Venus, I'm trying to, trying to recall, moving across some very key planets. Do you want me to share with, um, with you? Would you be interested in that? Oh, please. Yes. Okay. So I'm sharing the screen. Did you want to do it that way? 
Yeah, yeah, okay. I'll share my screen. So um, I'll just say this as you're getting queued up here. So audio only audience, go check out the link in the show notes where it is titled uh, expandingrealitypodcast.com. That's where you can see this video and that's where you can see this chart. This is awesome. So hang on. So you made this all just for me. Yeah, that you're worth it. That is so cool. <laughs> How so this awesome. is what we as astrologers mostly use. We utilize tools like this, which is this is a free program online. It's called astro.com. And um, anyone can go there and plug in their details and bring up a chart. So when an astrologer is looking at a chart, this is what we're looking at. We're look in Western astrology, the, the Vedic astrology, I do a bit of that as well. Vedic astrology utilizes a different kind of chart. It's a it's a square and it's got like lots of little boxes and stuff, works very differently. But this is what Western astrologers use. And um, just to give you a very quick astrology 101, the most important things in a, pe in a person's um, chart are what we call the trinity. And as you said, astrology is very romantic. There's a bit of mythology. There's even a bit of spirituality, quite a lot of spirituality, um, astronomy, psychology, all rolled up into, uh, into this. But the, the trinity um, for everyone is your where was your sun when you were born where was the moon when you were born and what sign was rising on the eastern horizon when you were born the ancients believed in fact the, the rising sign is the most important because the ancients believed that when you were born when you popped out of your mum the soul entered your body and it came from the constellation rising on the eastern horizon and so you are a leo soul and so you were telling me earlier how you'd spend some time performing, traveling the world, doing some performing. Not surprised. Leo is the performer archetype. You know, it's 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 the showman. It's the 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 diva, like up on stage, is the Beyonce and the Mick Jagger. It's that that person is is Leo, and that's your rising sign. We can see that here. So when you popped out of your mum. in you know, there's your shell, and and embodying that shell came a soul according to the ancients, from um, the constellation of Leo with certain um, qualities, certain characteristics that makes you you. So that's your rising sign. It's very important. Um, then we've got next in importance actually is the moon sign. People would think, oh, the sun sign, but actually it's the moon. And the Vedic astrologers actually see the moon as the most important. So um, the moon is the closest astrological body in the sky to us. It's energy. Its interaction, its gravitational pull is highly influential upon us here on Earth. You know, you mentioned gardening before. I mean, all the astrological information about gardening is always gardening by the moon and the cycles of the moon. Is the moon waxing? Go and plant all your seeds, all your veggies. If the moon's waning, don't. In fact, you should actually plant your root vegetables when the moon is waning. Interesting. And and all other seeds and what have you when the moon is waxing. But root vegetables, they like the waning moon. So you can garden by the moon. It's it's such an it has so much influence on us. And we're, you know, like we're, I don't know, what are we, 70% water or something as human beings? And the moon obviously affects tides and controls like the effect of water on the earth in many ways. So I don't need to wax lyrical about that for too long. But your moon, as you can see here in the chart, here's the symbol of the moon. It falls in this sign, the sign of Libra. So that makes you very focused on um, collaborations because Libra is the sign of partnership. So collaborations. And what are we doing today? Here we are collaborating together. Um, 
collaborations and uh, negotiations, mediations, interactions. It's a very friendly energy. It's very focused on connections and, and building relationships. So that's your moon sign. Um, the, the next thing in the, the primal triad is the sun sign, and it, it's, it's the least important um, of the three. There are reasons for that, but it, it takes a while to explain, so I won't go into it too too much. But your sun, as you know, is is in Virgo. Everybody knows their sun signs. There's just so much more to astrology, though, than our sun signs. Um, as you can see, if you're looking at this chart, there are 10 planets in the sky. And here they are, all these black symbols. They're all represented here in what we call a horoscope that shows us where they were in the chart all your planets are actually under the horizon which means that and there's meanings for everything in the horoscope but having all your planets below the horizons and it means that they weren't visible in the sky at the moment you were born but it also means for you in terms of what will unfold in your life is that you're going to have a much more active and flourishing second half of life rather than the first half and the first half might have been busy <laughs> might have been lots of lots of things happening um you're a fire sign. Leo is a fire sign. It's active. It's busy. Um, but And it's creative, very, very creative. But for you, things are really going to hit their stride in the second, um, second part of life because that's what having all these planets underneath the horizon represents. Damn. So that's exciting. So cool. Something to look forward to. Yeah, I mean, it's, only, <laughs> it's only up from here and I feel that anyway. Yeah. This is great. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, it's Totally. <laughs> awesome. And another thing that I love in your chart is you have what's called a stellium. And that is when we have four or more planets in a single sign. So here you've got the moon, there's Mercury, there's Saturn, and there's Pluto, all in the sign of Libra. So this actually gives so much emphasis to Libra energy. There's a big focus on connections, collaborations, blah, 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 all that stuff I talked about for you. Um, because when we've got all these energy givers, the planets, all together in the one spot in the chart, it's putting so much energetic focus on that theme that we can't avoid it. There's this pull like we can't ignore. It's like we must create or die when we've got this energy focused in a certain area. So you're doing it. And this is why, you know, you're doing a podcast where you interview people and you collaborate because that's what's going on. Now, another component of astrology is the houses. I don't know people if they're into astrology or if they've come across it, but we talk about planets, we talk about the zodiac signs, and we talk about houses. They're the three main things. And this group of planets in your chart falls in an area in Libra, um, that is known as the third house. And I might ask you, <laughs> have a guess what the third house might be all about. And just while you have a think about what your answer might be, um, each house represents a field or an area of life. There's a, a house for, um, for marriage, a house for career, a house uh, for money, uh, and, and a house for creativity, and so on and so on. There's 12 houses so third house is a big emphasis in your chart. And what do you think that it might be emphasizing for you? Snappy dresser. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> 
No, I won't, I won't put you through the ringer and, and keep asking and quizzing you. I'm sure snappy dressing does come into it. Oh, it's in there. Yeah, whatever you're about to say, snappy dresser is a quality of that for damn sure. <laughs> Absolutely. But the third house is communications. It's writing, it's speaking, it's radio, it's media, it's TV, it's all of that stuff. And so it is unavoidable for you in life to be working or just doing that sort of stuff. You know, even if you were working, uh, you know, as a checkout chick in the local supermarket, you would have to be doing something on the side to do with writing, speaking, communicating, media, radio, blah, 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 because that's where the energy is pulling you in your chart. So I was like, oh, yeah, of course. When I saw your chart, it's, I'm like, that's Brandon all over. <laughs> that's crazy. This is so cool. I've actually never had this done. This is so cool. I know so many astrologers. I've never had this this particular thing done. I'm blown away. Uh, so it is interesting, though, that so it feels like I'm doing what I'm supposed to here or at least what the stars imply that I would be naturally drawn to. Therefore, mm. If I'm drawn to that, that entails on a spiritual level, perhaps one could interpret that as being a calling or a direction. And that's why it's written in the stars when you're born for specifically those traits for you to gravitate towards that medium. Mm-hmm. And so it's mm-hmm. interesting. So I'm, I'm doing it. I'm living my shit. This is great. You are. And most people, we are, we all are. But when we see it written in the sky, as you said, or, or, or an astrologer interprets it for us, because that's what astrologers are. They're interpreters of this energetic language. When we see that, you know, explained to us, it's, it's so empowering. I'm, I'm okay. Who I am is who I'm meant to be. I don't have to be anything other than who I am. And you know, that person, ne- you know, that lives next door, they're meant to be that way too. You know, that's, that's who they are. It makes the thing I discovered when I first got into astrology is, you know, much more acceptance, less judgmentalism for people because we're all just doing our energetic wiring. Another thing that the ancients um, believe, well, yeah, it is partly an ancient belief, um, but, you know, we are, apart from being vessels of energy, we're, we're also the the embodiment of a moment in time, the moment that we were born. So at that moment, when you popped, your soul popped into your body, um, you became the energetic vessel for that moment in time. You represent that moment in time and your whole life is going to be a representation of that energetic moment in time. And the thing that I find really cool about that is that the planets in their alignments will were never like that before to the exact degree. They were never lined up like that before and they will never line up like that again. So your unique energetic moment in time, the divine, you know, we are the divine having a human experience and you are here to experience that moment in time. So it's almost a beautiful um dharmic uh, inspiration or, or calling card that we should have to embody to the best of our ability who we are because we're only going to get one chance as the divine having a human experience. This chance is never going to happen again. We're it. You're it for that moment that you were born. You're that embodiment. And I just find that quite a beautiful concept. It's a very romantic concept, um, but an empowering one. So I'm here to live me and to live the best I can who I'm, you know, follow my heart, follow my calling, follow my desires, because that's how I'm wired. I love it. So I get very excited about, about that theory in astrology. Well, I love it too. And it's, you get everybody excited about this. You're wonderful. 
God, I'm so glad we're doing this. Okay. Uh, it, you know, and even if you're into reincarnation, that's what's so interesting about what you just said, that even if you come back here and you say you're going to do this again, you don't do this again. Like everything is going to be different, you know, because it's so radically different. There's so many variables it, down to exactly when you start this experience, because I'm not going to call it a race because it's not. Let me ask you kind of a, just because I'm curious question. Have you ever read somebody or had a done a reading for someone where all the planets were on the top part of that chart, meaning that like their glory days are long behind them and that they should just give up. Yeah, no, no, no. It it doesn't mean that at all, but when they are all above the horizon, it means that they hit their stride early. And, and that's actually um, like a, um, an imperative to make the most of that period of your life and set up some foundations that are going to last you for the long term. Like, for example, you know, um, when I was growing up, the the supermodels that were really big, you know, like Claudia Schiffer and and all that, you know, like they had their chance in the sun, their day in the sun, a very young age. Um, And, you know, what they did with that time has certainly coloured whether or not they're going to, you know, in their latter years, are going to be able to have a, a, a fruitful life. You know, if they set up a lingerie company like I think Elle McPherson did and so on, you know, it's very dependent on how how they work with those early years. So that, that would be the difference, I would say. It doesn't mean that once it's done and dusted, <laughs> life's over. <laughs> yeah, they come by and you're like, well, uh, your best days are behind you. Like you kind of peaked already. So, and he's like, I knew yeah. it, you know, my football career in high school. Cause that's what I think of these people who are just stuck in high school, you know? And it's, yeah. it's interesting. Would you say that that's probably a sign that without even reading their chart, that they've got something like that going on? Oh, look, there would be other things I think that would indicate people who are stuck, you know, um, people who can't move forward. It wouldn't just be that. Um, it might be a combination of that with certain other energies in in the chart where there's just a, a reluctance to embrace the future. One of the signs that has to do with um, aspiration and, the, and, and future, like orientation, is Aquarius and also Sagittarius. They're very f- future-oriented as well. So, you know, a person who was perhaps a little bit stuck in the past, um, didn't want to move forward, would have, generally speaking, might have nothing in either of those signs, but a big strong emphasis in a sign that is all about the past, about where they've come from and who they've been. And um, sometimes that can be Cancer, sometimes that can be Capricorn that represents those past things. They represent other things as well. That's just a little snippet. Um, But that's just an example of, you know, some influences that might indicate that that what you've just um, referred to there. But when we have all our planets above the horizon, it usually does indicate that a person is going to be more publicly oriented. Now, I'm not saying you're not. Obviously, I have all my planets below the horizon too. Um, and certainly, you know, I I have a Leo sun, whereas you're Leo rising. So I'm a bit geared to being the, the performer also. So that's in us, but we're a bit What we're doing with all planets below the horizon is we're absorbing impressions for the first part of our life, coming to understand, you know, why things are the way they are, where's my part in all this, we're absorbing these impressions and then we learn, okay, now I can put what I've absorbed into some sort of effect, some sort of use, whereas people with all their planets above the horizon, they kind of like, they don't need to absorb, maybe they've done that in a past life. They just get in there and do it, and and here we are, and let's get on with it. And so it, it it's much more proactive 
in the early part. Um, and that's that's the difference. I hope that's kind of explains um, the difference between the two. It's not that one person will be successful and one the other people won't. It doesn't mean that. Both can be successful. But when we're in that momentum and why we're in that momentum is more what it's speaking to, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. But I love your Leo rising, I'm going to say. I think that's a great, great sign for you. <laughs> that's interesting. And I just don't know anything about it other than what you've just told me. So I need to research it a little bit further. And I'd love to hear more you know, about it if you have that. But I think this is this is interesting. And I think it's it's really interesting how familiar you were with me after doing this and after one conversation with us. I mean, I'm kind of an open yeah. book, but this is still really, really cool. Well, it is cool. And this is another component of astrology. There's so many fields of astrology. For somebody who wants to research it, um, you, you can take so many directions. You mentioned karma before. There's a whole field of astrology called karmic astrology, which actually involves looking at the themes our soul was exploring in previous lifetimes that we are here to, to finalize or to work out in this lifetime. And um, you can actually look at a chart and see certain um karmic influences that are playing out for you in this lifetime, certain karma, certain past life themes that are coming up um, in karmic astrology, which is fascinating. But relationship astrology is another one as well. And relationship astrology is obviously a big one with the young women who come for readings. <laughs> um, that's the number one question they're all asking is tell me about my partner and tell me when um, I'm going to fall in love and stuff. Um, then there's also, um, you know, uh, financial astrology and that sort of thing too. So there's many fields. But for you and I, um, the fact that uh, I have my moon in Libra and you have your moon in Libra and the fact that you are a Leo rising and I am a Leo sun, they're, they're connections that we yeah. have and this comfortableness with one another. If I was to look at a very brief little piece of relational astrology there is all about that. And I love that. I think that that's why we gel. <laughs> I love that great. too. That's awesome. Mm. That's wonderful. Uh, so you you said something that piqued a question in me. So would there be a need to facilitate a service to where you go and do the chart of a past life version of you? Uh, that's a really good question. Um, so what I would do, I would, in a Vedic astrology reading, would be looking at the influences from a past life, um, there is something, and it, this, this then becomes very mathematical. There's something in Vedic astrology known as divisional charts, and in Western astrology it's known as harmonic charts, where we sort of mathematically subdivide the placements of the planets that the theory goes that it's talking about different, more refined components of our life. So, for example, the ninth divisional chart is uh, is uh, all about our soulmate and what we are here to, to rise up into in this lifetime. So, um, and I'm going to contrast that with the past life one in just a second for you, but the ninth divisional chart is theoretically supposed to represent the, the energy of, the, of our soulmate person. Um, and the reason that they're our soulmate person is because they they embody everything that we are actually rising up into in this lifetime in preparation for our next birth, our next incarnation. So the ninth divisional chart represents the soulmate, but it also represents the energy we want to be in our next lifetime, the energy we're heading towards. The 12th divisional chart is theoretically meant to represent the story or the energy 
from our previous, most previous lifetime that we are working with now in this lifetime. So there are ways, but then I was going to say, how do you prove that those things are real? That would be people's question. And there's actually a magnificent astrologer named Patricia Walsh who has done uh, like oodles of research on this topic. And she's a past life regressionist. So what she's done is she's regressed, and she's an astrologer too, she's regressed people and then she's noted what they see and what are the main themes and stories in what they see when they're in regression state and and how is that corresponding to what is in their astrology natal chart. And so she's done all this research and put it all together and it's it's mind-blowing. Now, I, I've had a past or have a few past life regressions and everything that's come up for me in the past life regression is exactly what she speaks to that is past life related in my natal chart, so uh, my astrology chart. So I've seen it firsthand for myself. I see it in clients all the time who are into regression work. And so there's definitely something in it. But whether it's past life or whether it's a subconscious energy that we're carrying, I mean, who's going to be able to prove that? Prove that? Um, but I love, I love working with that sort of thing, deep psychological subconscious astrology really is what that's all about. Yeah, you're on the right show. Uh, so <laughs> I, I'm curious, Go if you don't mind, repeat the part about the, the house I believe you were talking about, about the one that prepares you for the next life. I'm very sure. curious about this. Yes, um, it's a wonderful um, research topic in astrology. It's it's the ninth divisional chart is what they call it in, in Hindu or Vedic astrology. Or, um, and I'll stop sharing the screen now for us. Um, yeah, the ninth divisional chart in Hindu or the ninth harmonic chart in um, Western astrology. And so the, the idea is that we are, well, it's not an idea, it's the truth. We're not stagnant beings. We don't come into this life and that's it, we're, unless we've got all those stuck factors we were talking about before. We're not contained in this one energetic state for the rest of our lives. We're evolving as, as souls and we're evolving um, into the energy of our next incarnation. And so so the idea here is that that's what the ninth divisional chart represents. It represents what we're evolving into. And the older we get in this lifetime, the more we're going to embody that ninth divisional chart energy and all that it represents for us. So once we've passed middle age, sort of 40s, 50s, we actually start to increasingly more and more and more become the energy of that other chart And we start to increasingly leave the natal chart's energy behind. And so when we die, we're actually in that energetic state of what we're becoming, ready for our next incarnation to be born into that that, um, that, that energetic chart. The the nature of that ninth divisional chart, it's not, I mean, I'm not going to say that that is exactly where the planets are going to be when you are next born because some some configurations of the ninth divisional chart are impossible to replicate in the sky because it's a mathematical division, not an actual representation of the sky. But what it is is the the energetic idea, the energetic flow, if you like, that we're moving into. And then we'll be born with a chart that that 
approximates that, um, if that makes sense. I hope I haven't gone too deep and confusing there. No, but, it, it makes sense. You're doing great. This is awesome. Cool. Mm-hmm. But then the the whole soulmate thing. Now I don't know. I I my jury has been out since I got divorced about the whole idea of soulmate. <laughs> a little, a little perturbed um, the experience there. Yeah. 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 Um, I don't know. I'm sort of coming around to it a bit more again nowadays. But um, but you know there there are. I, I look. I do believe that there are many people that we could be in a soulmate type relationship. They're here to teach us. They're here, they're here to help us grow, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, you know, they're not abundant. There might be a handful of them, let's say. Let's use that theory. But out of those handful of people on the earth who are soulmate material, there's something about their energy that 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 aligns with what your ninth divisional chart is all about because it's what you're aspiring as a soul to become. And so you're drawn to that. You want that. You want to embrace that. And, and the best relationship matches will be will always be when your ninth divisional chart has a semblance of of matching up with their natal chart and vice versa so that you're both drawn to one another because you're aspiring to become that energy it's like a yin yin thing yin thing because it swells and then increases but I'm, i'm fascinated by this concept of that energetically you end this life the way that you're going to start the next one. This has to do with people that you, that this is why like you have so much time to kind of raise your vibration and to get in a state where you can maintain it and to get like as high and as awesome as you can in that state so that you end this level on like a good note. And you're just like, all right, cool. All right. I can kind of relax. It's over now. I got tagged in at this level, you know? And so you, you move on to something else. Now I'm also curious because of the past life to next life to next life to next life thing. If we, because we do talk about uh, this thing uh, about quantum immortality. So basically it's where one of the ideas, I, I don't think that there's one size fits all for anything. And that includes an afterlife experience. So let's say that if you were to die in this physical reality, you you cease to exist, then maybe you reincarnate here, but it's not here, here, perhaps what you're doing this whole time to what you said energetically about creating the next you is you're creating the next reality. Now, the closest thing that you would have to create would be this one. So you just make subtle changes, right? And so those changes though, would be with you as well. So you would end this game in this scenario at this higher level and then you start the next one at a higher level and then continue it from there that could be one of the options but i think that whenever you talk about past life stuff now i'm interested in if you could even quantify if somebody went from this specific life where they were a farmer in the 1800s and then they were a woman in asia and then they were a young kid in saudi arabia like if you could follow it from this life to this life to this life and see if their natal chart and their ninth house were ninth divisional, divisional, thank you, uh, ended and started together, or if there was some sort of parallel to where like it leapfrogged itself, you know, like through your lifetimes, because this is something I'm very curious about, the study of like past lives and stuff and how they affect you now. So if they can affect you now, something as important as astrology would also probably want to be looked at, right? Mm, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so with the, with the uh, the idea of karmic or reincarnational astrology from the methods that I've researched, it's much more about 
the psychological imprint that we're dealing with in this lifetime. So you might have, say, Venus in Cancer, which, which indicates that you will have had relationally, because Venus is the planet of relationship, it tells us a story about what we've experienced in some past life relationally that we're here to resolve in this lifetime. And, and Venus in Cancer would represent that you have had some sort of uh, manipulation or abuse that's caused you to take refuge in some sort of psychic shell. And so now relationally you need to be with partners who are safe, partners who feel um, you, you feel secure with. And that's part of your evolution, pardon me, <clears throat> part of your evolutionary journey with relationships is to have partnerships like that in this lifetime, to heal the wounds from that past life. But there are 10 planets, they're representing different things and different karmic imprints or brandings. You're from Texas, so you know about you know, cattle branding. Um, we all do it. <laughs> it's just standard practice. I'm, it's weird that you don't. Like my brand's right over here. We just brand shit all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all of our doors swing both ways. Yeah, it's the whole thing. All of it. It's all true. Love it. <laughs> so, yeah, we're, we're, we're psychologically branded with these experiences in our previous incarnations. And so that's the premise that it's coming from. It's not saying necessarily that this, you know, childhood in Saudi Arabia was what you experienced and then this one was next and this one was next. It's like looking at how the what's the effect is what it's all about. It is because that that was the curiosity I had is if even to take it past to the next point of explaining it was that is it even calculable? Is it even quantifiable? Because, yes, as we as we learn, you know, more, we we want to view them more as like simultaneous lives, which is challenging. And this is why, like, when you learn new concepts, they're presented to you in a way that's kind of like, well, you're here now and this is the current version of you and there's nothing else. So there are past selves. But really, you explore this a little bit further and when your mind is capable, right, uh, the master will appear when the student is ready. So when you're ready for it, you get introduced to concepts like time doesn't actually really exist. I know we told you that back there, but you needed to hear that back there to get the understanding, understanding and foundation to get here. So it's it's one of these interesting things. And now that we're at that point in the discussion, uh, I find the simultaneous life thing interesting. I find though then that yes, my questions about astrology would be nil because it wouldn't matter. It wouldn't necessarily affect. I just figured that, like I said, it'd be, it's something I wasn't able to ask anyone. So I actually have a couple more questions. I've never asked Go an astrologer. It. Are you for, are you read it? I'm up for it. They're going to be ridiculous. So is that a fair oh, warning? The, the more ridiculous, the better. <laughs> oh, don't say that. Like I said, you're on, you're on this show. Okay. So um, I'm curious about like whenever you were talking about moment of birth, and I agree with you with this about that, that is where your chart starts. And you had this amazing chart. And thank you again so much for doing that. That was so cool. Uh, and so if that's the most important thing, what about the concept that this body act the soul actually enters the body at 42 weeks i believe because that's that whole like life starts at 42 and that's they there's kind of a break and there are people who have come back from near-death experiences i know there's a couple of books uh that, where they explain that there's a gap of time from conception to birth but there's a there's a spot in there where the soul does hop in and this is mm. this is articulated also in and traumas that people experienced where like their dad was a, just for example's sake, I'm not blasting anybody, but their dad was like an abusive alcoholic and beat their mom while they were 
in the womb. Yes, you can see that in an astrological chart. Mm. So this mm. would call into question then, okay, well, then the question is, is, okay, then does your soul need to be present for trauma to be imprinted on it? And if that's the case, then the whole thing about your birth chart, whenever you, as you so eloquently put it, pop out of your mom, is nil at that point, or maybe not necessarily reflective of the truth. Could the natal chart be a huge psyop that has been leading us astray and the real thing is, really, you do it at 42 weeks from whenever that was, which wouldn't be hard to figure out. So you just go it from when you were be. born and back it up, um, even though that, you know, births vary, right? They're not exactly nine months. And I, I get that. So that would be something I'd be curious about, honestly. So I just wanted to ask you about it. Well, it's an excellent question because there are, even in the astrological circles, there are people who practice with that idea. So um, I know of astrologers who use uh, use the premise of um, when you were conceived as they're, 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 they cast the chart for that. Now, how they figure that out, that's a whole other oh, question. You know. <laughs> you know. You knew with your kids. You have three. Did you know for Jeez. years? I mean, this is super yeah, personal. You do well. not have to answer this. What I mean is, is I've had friends uh, that my confidence comes because I do not have children. My confidence comes in friends that go, oh, yeah, I knew exactly when it happened. You know, I was just <laughs> putting in work and like I just knew, you know. Anyway, yeah. so maybe that is the way that they indicate it. They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah it, it happened right there. I have read a little bit about it by the, the astrologers who practice that way. Um, I'm not exactly familiar with how they determine conception time, but they do have a method for, for working with that. Um, and then there, there are some that work with that whole 42-week idea as well. Again, you'd have to know conception time to be able to figure out the 42-week part, that time. Um, so there are different methods within this framework. Um, I use, as you've seen me, me talk about, the, the idea of the soul entering the body when we emerge because it was an ancient um, belief and an ancient practice. Um, but look, different different strokes for different folks, I guess. You know, that's just my my view on it. And it, it does, what you talked about is the infliction of trauma before birth. That is, uh, with the method that I use, that's also uh, able to be seen. Um, sometimes people who've got Mars, um, say, just below the horizon line um, in the first house of you and your bodily experience, um, will it, it often indicates having to be born by cesarean because Mars is to cut. And so Mars can have that. If not that, we often find people with Mars just below the horizon in the first house having injuries to the head of some sort at some point in the very early stages of life. You know, I dated a guy who had Mars in the first house and he had been born with forceps delivery and his ear had been mangled in the forceps delivery. So he had a little um, skewy kind of um, thing on his ear. And that's that's very Mars to have these accidents um, in, in the early. and But Mars above the horizon, but in the first house, that can indicate... Um, some kind of trauma, uh, physical abusive trauma that may have occurred to the mother before the child was born. Not always, but it is one of the um, the energies that we see displayed. So that's one example of how you can see what was the state of the mother prior to the birth of of the child when that soul when the child popped out and the soul entered the body. So if you were to have Jupiter 
in that position, it's actually considered one of the most auspicious positions for Jupiter. Jupiter in ancient astrology was the great benefic, and he brought prosperity and abundance, just like Jupiter or Zeus in ancient mythologies was the king of the gods. Jupiter is full of blessing. Um, and Jupiter above the horizon would indicate that the mother was probably in a really joyful state of mind during the pregnancy and when the baby was born, etc. Um, that that would be another indicator that we would see relating to the gestational period in the opposite kind of context, in a more happy context than, say, Mars. This is fascinating. You know so much cool stuff about this. And usually I hear people talk like this about stuff and I zone out. You you have the opposite <laughs> effect. You actually seriously are hypnotizing me with this in a great way, in a way that's constructive and just makes me want you to talk about it more. But I'm going to ask you one more and then we're just going to wrap it for this time. And then we're, we're going to look forward to seeing you again. So, I uh, okay. I am curious about something related to dates. So I hear a lot of astrologers that tie things and news and portals and stuff like that to specific dates, as in uh, 222 and, you know, those things, 111. Like those numerological things are very important to some astrologers. Are you a subscriber to that? Uh, not in the way you're you're referring to here, but uh, I don't discount it, but it's not part of my work. What is part of my work is cyclical numbers. So, for example, Uranus has a, a cycle of 84 years. It'll take 84 years for Uranus to go around the sun and return to where it was when you were born. And if you, and you think about it, 84 years is generally a lifespan in Western society these days. It's roughly the average of how long we live for. And if you think about what's, what's a quarter of 84, it's 21. Why do we get the key to the door? Why do we get this Southern privilege of adulthood at 21 when we've been voting since we've been 18, when we've been driving a car since we've been 18? What is the significance of 21? Why do we use that? It's because it's the first quarter of life. Now, whether we have consciously made that choice as a human collective that 21 is going to be this age of adulthood, um, you know, I don't know that they made it based on the Uranian cycle, uh, but that's what it does correspond to. And what comes next? 42, midlife. Midlife change of life, you know, that's when we head into sort of the midlife crisis years because Uranus is at the halfway point. Um so I work with cycles like that, you know, and the Saturn return cycle, which is 28, 29 years, has certain significations and so on and so on. Jupiter is 12 years. So there's a 12-year cycle of Jupiter and so on. So when I'm talking numerologically, I'm always tying everything back to, oh, well, that's a cycle of this or that's a cycle of that in, in numerological speak. Amazing. Uh, so the reason I was asking was, is because of the change of the calendar. Again, these are perturbances since, so since astrology has been around, the calendar has switched. So like from the Gre uh, Gregorian calendar replaced Sigillian in 1752. Okay. I did look this up for this question. And uh, <laughs> Good on so, you. thank you. Uh, and this is, so the new year went from March 25th to January 1st. So I'm just curious, does this affect astrology? Like, did we have an old school astrology and the stuff we're using now is based on the new calendar because of all the numerological things specifically that other people point out, even though that it's not that important? It seems more of like a numerological thing than an... Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, I, I know that when I'm doing my research on historical astrology and seeing what influences were playing, like, for example, I looked at... Um, 
Oh, who was the who was that guy in the Catholic Church who was persecuting everyone? Kramer? Somebody Kramer, I think. That and was I was Seinfeld. researching. Sorry? That was yeah, Seinfeld. <laughs> I don't know that, that he was quite as evil as this guy I'm referring to back in the 1400s, but um, Hans Heinrich Heinrich Kramer, who wrote a, a, a thesis on um, witchcraft, and and it was from his thesis that we we started burning people at the stake and da 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 da. So I did a bit of research looking at this guy and and what planets were happening. Uh, his birth chart's not available, but what planets were in the sky at the time he wrote this thesis. And of course, we ha I had to use that Gregorian calendar to, to determine that. Um, and so that's when we do historical research, astrologically, we've got to consider that switch, that change. Um, but as for numerolo numerology um, and, and calendar dates, it's not something I work with. There might be practitioners that do, uh, and I'm sure there are. I'm sure there are many astrologers who work with numerology as well, but that's not really the field that I um, that I know much about or that I work with. It's, yeah, just not, not my brand, I suppose, <laughs> speaking of brands before. <laughs> it's not your bag, baby. Yeah. Not my bag, Austin, no. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was just something I was curious about because of all the changes and stuff and the perturbances. And then when you look at things like psyops and how, uh, you know, reality is like an inversion. So why wouldn't this maybe have been infiltrated and perturbed and then taught wrong, you know, uh, based on some observable luminaries in the sky that are repeatable, but then also it, it's being used in a different way. I'll use the example of music. So music used to be 432 hertz. It changed mm -hmm. to 440 as a standard, which does nothing for you. It actually lowers your vibration. It's horrible for you. Most people couldn't tell. They're playing the same chord progressions. They're just slightly off as far as a harmonic goes. And so when, when did, did that happen, Brandon? Damn it. I knew you were going to ask me that. And I did not Sorry. look it up. My phone's <laughs> off because I don't want to be rude and have it ring in the middle of us talking. I will look this up and get back to you. But uh, I want to say in the 50s. Mm -hmm. Damn it. I bet it's something like that. Anyway, I think it's a very Googleable thing. Somebody out there screaming at their uh, radio right now. Uh, but it, uh, so it's stuff like that to where there was a change. Now it looks the same, like it's got the same flavors to it. Again, the chord progressions and not, but it's it's been perturbed in a way that's unrecognizable, but it has noticeable impacts on society. So I'm curious to see if it is one of these things to where there's like a hidden astrology that's actually like if you just take the ruler and move it over a little bit, everything works out. I didn't know, you know if there was anything to that or if that was just a wasted effort or, or whatever. I've not explored that myself, I have to say. <laughs> I love your curly questions, though. They get me thinking. But what's interesting, what you were talking about in the 50s with music, because I know you're a music lover, as, as am I. Um, but in the 50s, there, there were so many, or actually in the 30s, there were so many famous the, musicians born with something called a grand cross in their chart and that's considered to be one of the most difficult configurations and shapes to have in the chart but those guys you know people like chuck berry and jerry lee lewis and all that they needed that tension that comes from that to overcome the prejudices in society against their music and so there was a, a whole generation of um of musos who carried that that signature that turned 
things on their head. Now, that's not answering your question, but it was just something that jumped into my mind with, with your mention of 50s music. There. Well, the question just jumped into my mind, but it was something that it was perfect. It was the way you answered it. Again, it's perfect. This is that flow state. This is that thing. You're you're right here. You're in the pocket. You're great. This is this is what I love about this show. This These moments are my favorite. And I know the audience feels this too, because people write in and tell me that they feel this energy, which is really, really cool. So uh, what is something that we can look forward to uh, kind of in the immediate uh, to kind of Put on our radar. Well, I, I wouldn't say it's something to necessarily look forward to. Um, we are having a conjunction of Jupiter and Neptune in the sky this year. That's going to be a biggie. Um, and that means that we're probably due to have quite a, a wet year, actually, like floods, lots of rain, um, maybe snowstorms and things like that. So Jupiter is um, the planet of, well, that expands. It's the biggest planet in the solar system. It's got a big bulge in the middle. So, you know, literally like a big belly. Um, it's, um, it's it's going to expand what Neptune's all about, which is, uh, you know, the, the watery energy, Neptune, king of the oceans, you know. So um, that's something that we are going to see. And then later in the year, we're going to have a very interesting conjunction of Uranus and Mars and one of the nodes of the moon, the north node of the moon. And I think we might expect to see a lot of volatility, unexpected volatility, feistiness um, around in, in global terms, I'm talking, around that time, um, possibly some heavy-duty earth activity like volcanoes and things like that, um, which usually correspond to that kind of energy. It'll be quite amplified. But what we've just had, and today as I'm speaking to you right now, um, we've got a, a, a joining of the two lovers in the sky, Mars and Venus, and this only happens once every two years or so on average. But this particular getting together is, is super duper rare because it's only seven months since they were last together. Usually it's two years, it's only seven months with this. So that's very unusual. And the other thing that's unusual is that when they get together, they're only together for about four days and then they start to separate and go on their cycles. Um, but this time around, they are actually together for about two weeks and that's very, very unusual. So we're going to be under this influence of Mars and Venus for about two weeks. And what that's going to bring us all is a, a stronger focus on our relationships, maybe doing things differently with relationships, changing the, the nature of our relationships as well as our finances and our creativity. So people might, when depending on when they're listening to that, be able to sort of correlate that to what they're experiencing, what they're going through um, with, with that energy. There's a whole lot more as well. You could talk forever about astrology because the cycles never end, but they're, they're probably the big things that are playing out um, just off the top of my head at the moment. That's incredible. Uh, I dig it and I love stuff like this because I will put this on my radar and I'll just message you every now and then be like, hey, I've got a big, big week coming up. I got some meetings to schedule. You know, what's a good day to do that? And <laughs> I'm right. totally going to do this. This is great. Um, so ni 1953 is when they switched it, by the way. I did go ahead. And there you go. Uh, well, isn't that interesting? And because when did sort of rock and roll hit? 1954 with Bill Haley and the Comets. So yeah, I mean, as early as the 40s, they were doing it. But it says in 1953, a worldwide agreement was signed. Uh, signatories declared that middle A on the piano will forevermore be tuned to exactly 440 hertz. And that's when wow. everything changed for us energetically. This is why you see these sound healers 
emphasize the hertz that they're using. They're like, okay, this is 932. This is going to target your crown, you know, or something like that, whatever it is. And they'll do those bowls. And those singing bowls are tuned to the harmonic frequencies, not to this perturbance. And they would, so they even said about the DOD or the uh, 808 uh, beat machine that when that came out, it was specifically designed to cause low vibrations. And so this is what this music does. It's, it's, it's in there and it's different. Like I even, when I play, I play a half step down, I retuned my guitar. So I don't play, I never wrote music in 440. Even when I played with other people, they would tune to me because it was my band. You know what I'm saying? That's yeah, the key yeah. I played in. And it was for a myriad of reasons, uh, one of which was uh, that. So it was interesting. We just changed the tuning for, as a band. But uh, anyway, I just wanted to let you know that. And listeners, don't worry about writing in. Beep, beep, beep. I got you on the fly. Come on. <laughs> Well, that's fascinating. I must look up what was happening astrologically at that time because the, the planets do influence what happens culturally, music-wise as well. In the 60s with all the uh, the beat music that came out of England and that sort of thing um, and the sort of more rebellious nature to music in the late 60s, that's that was a result of Pluto and Uranus um, and their positions in the sky as well as Neptune. So um, I'm hoping for a repeat of that because I love my 60s music. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. How cool is that, though, that you do that? That. You're just like, I just wonder what was going on during the 60s, you know, and so you look up the chart and you find all that information. Yeah. Out, and it yeah. checks I've, out. I've, any addicted astrologer will do that. They read a biography. They're looking up the chart of the person that they're reading about or watching a documentary. It's just, it's definitely an addiction. <laughs> well, and kind of like us here, when we were scheduling this, I asked, you know, I've requested like your media kit and stuff like that. And you requested stuff from me so that you could look up my chart. That's really cool. That's interesting. Uh, now that you've been doing this, do you, when you go on dates and stuff, do you look up their chart before you even like go on their date? <laughs> Is this part of the questionnaire just to get, get into your inbox or your DMs? A lot of people do that. A lot of, <laughs> it's kind of a, it shows up a lot in memes, you know, of women, if they don't tell me their star sign straight away that I'm not interested, kind of silly memes and stuff like that. I don't do it generally, unless I'm really keen on the person and then I want to know. Um, but it, it's always fascinating just meeting people and, and trying to figure out, oh, what are they? I think one of our first conversations was, "What do you think I am? What what um what astrology sign do you think I am?" I think I I said you might be a Gemini. Yes, yeah, <laughs> which, which you're was not. Odd. I took strong offense to. I, like, <laughs> I instantly well, turned into a Gemini, and my other face came out, and I was like, "How dare you?" <laughs> Well, what's interesting is that Gemini has connections to the third house. So in a sense, I wasn't far wrong there with your third house. I'm going to I'm going to cover my butt there with that one. But it is true. (laughs) We'll give it to you. We'll give it to you on this one. Okay. well, uh, Ksenia Moore, thank you so much. This has been incredible. I'm going to link all the ways, of course, to find you down in the show notes. We have so much more to talk about. So you will definitely be back on. Truly grateful for your time. And I'm just so grateful we connected. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been a delight. I want to give a huge shout out to Ksenia Moore for hanging out with this uh, fascinating lady. She's a dear. She's just wonderful and amazing at what she does. So uh, check the show notes, guys, for all the ways to find her. Make sure that you go uh, check out her Instagram as well. But she has some wonderful programs with her Guiding Star and her Rural Stars Academy. Uh, definitely check that out as well as her YouTube. All of it, again, linked down in the show notes. So uh, as far as affiliates go, Food Forest Abundance, make sure that you check that link out. Uh, definitely worth your time there. Also, if you are interested in starting your own podcast and don't know who to host through, I've got a link for you. It's who I host through, Libsyn. Go down there, check it out. I think you get two months free uh, signing up through that link. So that's a great thing. 
Also, if you're going to buy any any damn thing at all on Amazon, go ahead and use my link as well. Uh, it's no difference for you, but it does help the show. So that's, that is a difference. So that's awesome. Thanks a lot. Again, in advance. I appreciate you. So uh, if you want to expand your experience here with us on the show, do so at the link marked expandingrealitypodcast.com. That's where Rockfin, all the socials, all the good stuff, it comes through there. If you want a t-shirt, bam, go check it out on the website. It's there. Uh, Very cool, comfortable shirts too, by the way. So check those out. Okay. So now uh, go out into this amazing place, guys. After hearing information like that, uh, astrology should be on your radar anyway. It's something that people who know what the hell they're talking about pay attention to. So get in touch with Ksenia and see if she can help you out as well. I'm positive that she can. So uh, go out into this beautiful place while you're observing the beauty of this world and pick up a piece of litter. Be nice to everybody that you come across, you know, animal, lizard person, it doesn't matter. Just be nice. Be that ray of light. Buy somebody around you a coffee or a meal, something like that. Something small. It makes massive ripple ripple effects out into the collective, and it's what you're here to do. So just consider it part of the honor of this experience to be able to do that. Uh, while you're doing all that, guys, of course, get out of the damn left-hand lane if you got somebody behind you wanting to pass. And then, of course, go out into this beautiful place, whatever the hell this thing is. And y'all just be good to one another. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next time.